Well, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible studies. It's uh, a night where we just uh, open up a, uh, a book of the Bible or, and, and go through them uh, one verse at a time. And uh, we just finished the uh, book of Galatians. Actually, it was a letter, epistles we call them. Fancy word, religious word for letter is all it is. These are letters that we were looking at that were written uh, to the New Testament church. Uh, we've been reading a lot of them from Paul. And uh, we just finished Galatians, and now we're looking at the, uh, the epistle of Philippians, the book of Philippians. And we're going to go through this one verse at a time, trying to get it all into context. We encourage people to bring your Bibles with you on Wednesday nights. Uh, Sunday morning's not all that important, but uh, on, on Wednesday night, so you can follow along, see where we're going, where we've been, blah, 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 blah. Now, what we do is we take it, we look at it from all sorts of different angles, we flip around to other parts of the Bible, all to put it into context, so you can truly understand uh, what they're saying here. So, we're starting Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Timothy wasn't writing it with him, but this, he was traveling with Paul. Uh, So he says, the greetings come from those two. And he says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Saints, again, uh, for those of you who uh, are are not aware, we've talked about this before. But when the New Testament uses the word saints, it means a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, It wasn't until hundreds of years later that the church was at a loss as to how to revere those who had... uh, you know, suffered greatly and died as martyrs and stuff, and they eventually started calling. Well, they're they're the saints, and we made them a special category uh, to show respect and stuff. Um, sadly, that's really confused a lot of people. There, there really is no category of sainthood. Um, there, there is just believers in Christ and those who do not believe in Christ. It's just that simple. So he was writing to all the believers in Christ Jesus at this city of Philippi, together with all the overseers. These are the uh, guys in charge of the church and the deacons all charge of, of uh, leadership for the church. And he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, who are these people? The Philippians. Um, we, want, we want to check. Now, Paul really loved these people. You're going to see something really different. Uh, we're talking serious 180 here from Galatians, where he is furious at these people. And, uh, and uh, because they've been getting caught up in false doctrine, and he used the strongest of terms to the people who are promoting the false doctrines, he basically told them to cut off their wieners and go to hell. And uh, that's exactly what he said. Now, he said it more, sounded more spiritual. He says they should emasculate themselves, which means to, you know, the whole thing. And, uh, and to be eternally condemned, which means go to hell. But that's in essence what they were saying. He was mad at these people, furious that these people came in and were trying to confuse the Christians. So that it was the people who were doing the confusion, not the Galatians, that he was yelling at and told the Galatians to snap out of it. Well, now you go to Philippians. Philippians is all hugs and kisses. Through the whole book. We're talking serious black and white situation here. In fact, it's probably the only uh, letter that Paul wrote where he's not rebuking anybody. Uh, he encourages them, uh, tells them to look out for, for, for some troubles here and there. But he loved these people. They were his buds. Uh, he was getting along with them fabulously. Uh, Paul at the time is, has been arrested. He's in all likelihood uh, in, in the city of Rome which we'll show you a little bit later why, why we think that's where he was at at the time. But he's basically imprisoned for his faith. 
um, uh, his enemies had conspired to, to get him arrested and cause all this grief. The Philippians loved him, cared for him, sent him uh, a, a messenger from Philippi, the city, uh, from the church there. And they brought him money and, and, and were supporting him and helping him and, and encouraging him during his troubles um, while, while he was in prison. And he's going to refer to some of this as we get into that. But we want to set it up. I don't know how far we'll get into this tonight. But we want to set this thing up because we want to take a look at who are these people uh, from Philippi. Now, uh, if you will back up to uh, Acts, the book of Acts. Which is kind of the uh, the history of the early church. Alright, I know it's here somewhere. X, 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 X. Stop it. I just had this. Where was it? Anybody know where it is? Is it 16? I was thinking 15. It is 16. That's why 15 wasn't there, 14 wasn't there, 13 wasn't there. How about the other way, Mark? 16. Chapter 16 of Acts. You get a gold star. All right. So, 16th chapter of Acts. So, uh, at verse 11. Actually, if, if back up here. It's kind of an interesting thing. Just some Bible knowledge for the fun of it here. Um, Start at, at, at verse 6, just to get a, a feeling. Now, the guy who's writing the book of Acts, uh, anybody know who it is? Who? No, he's, no, Paul didn't write it. Who wrote it? Anybody know? Luke. There we go. I got a couple of Bible scholars in here. Luke, the same guy who wrote the gospel of Luke is the same guy who wrote this. All right? This is the same guy. And... Now look at what happens here as he's telling this story about early Christianity. It starts at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us! And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready. The tense changes. Up until this point, the whole time you're reading the book of Acts, they did this, they went there, they went this way, they did this. And he starts out at the beginning of this paragraph, Paul and his companions did, and they wound up at um, uh, Troas, and then we got ready. So apparently this is where Luke hopped on board, just for the... Who cares if you know category? It's kind of interesting that we see that uh, Luke um, did that. And actually, Luke winds up staying in Philippi here. And, uh, and I'll show you that in just a second. So anyway, all of a sudden, it turns from a us to a we. From here on out, this whole section is talking about we did this and we did this. So, look at it, verse 11. From Troas, that we set out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi. A Roman, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. All we, 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 we. Okay, so, so he's there hanging out with these guys. Now, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river. We're expected to find a place to pray. So they're, they're in Philippi. It's this Roman colony. Typically, wherever these guys went, they would go to the Jewish synagogues first. Because Paul always believed in going to the Jews first. 
because it was from Judaism that Christianity actually was birthed. He felt that they should preach the gospel always to the uh, Jewish believers first, or the Jewish people first, and then uh, to the Gentiles. A lot of times, the Jews would refuse it, and then you wind up going to the Gentiles anyway, which means non-Jews. So anyway, so he's, they're there. They don't have a place, a synagogue to go to in this Roman province. Uh, so they went down by the river. Down by the riverside. So they're going to pray. And, and they're, they're expecting to find a nice little quiet place. He says, well, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. So here they come down, find a place to pray, and here's a bunch of ladies hanging out. So they start talking to them, and, uh, which is interesting. I mean, these guys, they lived this stuff. They lived it. Whenever they had an opportunity uh, to share their faith, they would always take the opportunity. Preaching doesn't always have to be behind a podium with a bunch of people sitting down and the Bible open up. Now listen to me. All right? Real preaching of the gospel happens in daily conversation. When you have opportunity, look for opportunities. We talked about that recently, about looking for opportunities. As we have opportunity, are you looking for opportunities where God can use you to bless somebody else's life? So Paul and Luke and these guys, they all sit down, and there's these ladies, so he starts talking to them, and it's an opportunity. I'm sure, you know, who are you guys? Where are you from? Blah, 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 blah. And they get a chance to start sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with these women. Now, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia. She was a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatria, who was a worshiper of God. Uh, not a believer, but, you know, she, she did believe in God. Well, the, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So she believes in Christ. Well, she believed that there was a God. There's a lot of good people out there who, who believe in God and stuff, but they haven't really had an encounter with Jesus Christ and had this, this, this incredible experience of being born again and knowing God in a personal way. So she hears that this is possible. She goes, cool. So she responds to the message. And then when she and the members of her household were baptized, so right away she got baptized, the people in her house got baptized, then she invited us to her home. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So they go now to this lady's house and they're, they're hanging out there. So they make this wonderful friend from a lady named Lydia. So now this is Philippi. This is where they're hanging out now. And uh, we don't know how long they were there. At least I don't know. Maybe somebody else knows. But uh, um, they were there for a while. And then Luke starts telling this one account that happened while they were there. He said, once... When we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She was uh, possessed of an evil spirit, and this spirit allowed her to look into the future and and, uh, how accurate she was. I have no idea, but this is what her deal was. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Well, this girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting... These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Well, you would think they would appreciate that, right? Because she's saying the truth. But she's being obnoxious. And everywhere they go, these people are here from the Most High God telling you how to be saved. These guys are from the Most High God telling you how to be saved. So these, you know, this is everywhere they go comes this lady just bugging them. And he says, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled, it just irritated him. Shut up already! We get it, we're from the Most High God! 
So he turns around and says to the spirit, because he spoke to the spirit in her, because this was a spirit who was troubling them, mocking them, giving them a hard time, making it hard for them to pray and to share the gospel because of this obnoxious spirit yelling through this girl. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her, set her free. Boom, just like that. Now, something to notice here. Uh, This is one controversial point uh, in Christianity. A lot of people have um, their opinions on this whole whole idea of being possessed of demons and whatnot. I'm not a big uh, subscriber to those things. I believe that people... uh, can be certainly I've even seen people who at least I believe were possessed of spirits Um, but you have to notice something every time in the Bible where you see someone who is possessed of a demon everybody knew it everybody knew it okay they were obnoxious they were loud they were crazy people okay you didn't need a gift of discernment are you hearing me Paul didn't just walk up to her and say, I, I discern in my spirit that you might have a demon in you. Oh, really? I didn't know that. How do you know? Well, I just discern it in my spirit. Let's pray for you. You know, and go fishing for something that may not be there at all. I say this mockingly, of course. <laughs> To the people, God bless you, some of you are sitting here, who don't believe with me on this thing and think that Christians can be possessed of demons and, and say, well, I have, a, I have a revelation that someone has a spirit. I just, the problem is, it's not in the Bible. Are you hearing me? Now, here's my deal. I believe the Bible not only has the theory, it has the practical application. In other words, if you come up with a theory that when you pray, you should stand on your right leg and hold a banana in your left hand. Okay? Because somewhere in Jeremiah, it alludes to that. Because nobody can understand Jeremiah. You make it say anything you want. You know. So, so some Old Testament, you know, that you should stand on your right leg and hold a banana in your left hand when you pray. All I say to that is, okay, okay. Show me any place in the Bible where anybody stood on their right leg and held a banana in their left hand while they prayed. That's all I say. And then the conversation quickly comes to a screeching halt and they get mad at me. Okay? Because you don't see it. You don't see it. There's, the Bible has a practical application. If you are believing a doctrine for where there is no practical application, you are at best on shaky ground. You could be right. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But I could be. It's true. I could be wrong. I've been wrong. At least I think I was wrong once. All right? <laughs> I'm wrong about many things. You know, I'm not a human being like everybody. So, I, you know, so I'm not going to be doctrinally crazy about this. I'm just, these are one of these areas where we just have to agree to disagree. You think this way. I think this way. I think you're wrong. You have the right to be wrong. That's what I think. All right? Now... Can you still be in my church? Sure. Can you still work for me? Sure. I don't care. You know, it's not that big of a stinking deal. Now, you know, I won't want you running around casting devils out of people because it just creeps me out. But, but this whole idea of, you know, well, we're gonna, well, I sense the spirit. You never see that in the Bible. Every time anybody who was possessed of a devil showed up, they were loud. They were obnoxious. 
They would throw on the floor. They'd start foaming at the mouth. They'd start wiggling around like serpents and gizzards and lizards. I don't know what they were doing. Everybody knew they had a demon. Even the unbelievers said, yep, that guy's got a demon. (laughs) Are you hearing me? There's no discernment factor here. Everybody saw it. Everybody recognized it. Say, well, we, we don't see a whole lot of that here. How can we, you know, t- truthfully, I, I believe most people who are demon-possessed in this country, and I, there are a lot of them, usually wind up institutionalized. And they stick them away. We don't see them. They're completely wigged out. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been in any of these places. Go for a visit once. If you have the spirit of Jesus in you at all, just go for a stroll in one of these places. I mean, you can feel stuff crawling on the walls I'm telling you there there are spirits at work in some of these places that are tormenting these poor people it's horrible Uh, they medicate them do everything they can they do something for them God bless them for doing something but you know would that we had more of the power of God in us and just could speak to them and set them free that's what we ought to be doing but anyway that's the case but most people are not possessed of demons most unbelievers are not possessed of demons Certainly Christians, in my opinion, cannot be possessed. Big word difference here. Possessed where you you can't control yourself any longer. Of demons. I just don't believe it. So, well, brother, we have spiritual warfare. Well, yeah, I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe the devil can trouble you. I believe the devil can attack you. But there's different words for that. It's called wrestling against spiritual powers it's called resisting the devil and he will flee from you it's called putting on the whole armor of God so you can stand your ground against the fiery darts of the enemy that takes work it takes energy it takes renewing your mind learning growing in your faith I know what it's like to resist the devil I've had incredible experiences. I've, I've had, you know, like, you know, movie kind of wacko experiences. I, I won't even tell because you'll all think I'm nuts. But I'm telling you, bizarro stuff. I know this stuff is real. The devil attacks us. I get it. But I don't need to be exercised. Are you hearing me? I say, well, I was exercised and it helped me. Well, good for you. That's great. And I'm telling you, I, I just, you know, it's not fair. Show me anywhere where somebody was delivered of a spirit who was calm in control of their faculties, la 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 la, la having tea and got delivered of a devil. All right, so well we struggle. Yes, it's called sin. Say, so, what's well, a spirit? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the spirits are involved, but it's all pretty much the same group: lust, violence, anger, alcoholism, drugs. I mean, you know, it's a pretty short list. That people have. So, well, brother, what about what about generational curses? <sighs> and I know this won't make me popular with a lot of, you know, preachers on TV who talk about these general. You know, you know where the curses came from? Does anybody know? Anybody have a clue? God. God said, "I will visit unto the third and the fourth generation." These were God talking about judgment on people. You don't cast God out of God. These generational curses and stuff. We're making up doctrines that are just, they're not even in the Bible. That generational curse is talking about people who the, the judgment of God is on them for things like that. So why do you talk about these people who have problems in certain areas? Yeah, there's things. It's called sin. 
And again, it's a pretty short list. Alcoholism in a family. Spiritual strongholds. That I understand. That I believe in. But creating these doctrines of, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, anyway, you know where I stand. And uh, that's the end of that. Bottom line, this woman was possessed of a devil. Everybody knew it. She was obnoxious and he cast the devil out of her. Well, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope for making money was gone, they were hacked off. You cast the demon out of the girl. We, we like that demon. That was a money-making demon. <laughs> they were making good money from this girl. She'd eyeballs and roll out and howl and she'd prophesy the future or whatever. It's like people would pay money to see this. So they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. It's bad enough to be beaten. Beaten naked is a drag. And after they had been severely flogged, being flogged is a drag. Being severely flogged is a bad day. Stripped, beaten, severely flogged. For doing what? For casting out a devil. Of this obnoxious lady. They were thrown into prison. Now these were not Brown County jails. Are you hearing me? These were, these were 2,000 year old prisons ago. You know, just icky places. Not nice. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Stripped, humiliated, beaten, severely flogged, thrown into the smelly prison, the inner cell, with their feet now in the stocks. Kind of hard to move around. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were crying as loud as they could. (laughs) God, why? Why me, God? I was doing everything right. I just couldn't stand the loud demon. What did I do wrong? Where are you, God? Is that what they did? That's what we'd have done, I guarantee you. I don't know, God, I don't know what happened. You know, I prayed once and I didn't get an answer in an hour and a half. I don't know if there is a God. Uh. These guys, after the, one of the most miserable days of their lives, they were praying and singing hymns to God at midnight. And the other prisoners were listening to them, thinking, these guys are mentally ill. They should be cursing God. They should be striking out at God. They should be blaspheming God. Where were you, God? How come you didn't protect me, God? They should be questioning God. No, they're praising God and singing praises at midnight on the worst day of their lives with thankful hearts. Heaven is listening, saying, This is cool. Listen to these cats. Let's dance. Instead of dancing so much, I'm making this up. But anyway, suddenly, there was a violent earthquake from the dance. I don't know where it came from. But anyway, there's this earthquake. And the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open. And everybody's chains came loose. That's pretty cool. Everybody. Well, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, 
he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. <sighs> Why would they do that? Because what was waiting them would have been much worse than that. If you were in charge of prisoners and they got away on your watch, they would fillet you alive. They would torture these guys. It would be brutal. Much kinder would you take your own sword and run yourself through. This guy looks up. All of a sudden, the doors are open. Everybody's free and I'm going to kill myself. He thought everybody had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? How do they know anything about being saved? Because he listened to them praying and worshiping God. He heard what they were saying. He heard them singing, celebrating the grace of God, the grace of Christ, forgiveness of sins, celebrating the blessings of God in their lives, despite this horrible day. And when this guy saw this, he comes out and says, what what do I got to do to get what you've got? How can I get what you've got? Ultimately, people, this is our greatest testimony. Not so much what we think or say, but how we live. Is your life a testimony to the grace of God? Do people look at you and say, man, I want to be like you. How do I be like you? What's, what's different about you? It's a wonderful thing when people say that. It is so cool. You want to be like, well, well, let me share with you why I'm the way that I am. And it's a great opportunity to share your faith. You say, well, nobody ever asked me that. Well, come on, grow in your faith. Start praising God when things are horrible. Start smiling when you ought to be snarling. <laughs> be pleasant when you ought to be mean. That's what gets people's attention. Sometimes I'm great at that. Sometimes I'm terrible at it. You know, I, I'm as human as the next guy. But man, it's the times when I start blessing the Lord in the midst of the worst situations. When people notice, they pay attention. These are the people that when I witness to them, it has much greater impact on them. Because now they see something. They see an, an, an impact. This guy clearly is living at a different level than I am. And it's a wonderful thing. Live your life that way. Be a witness. You also need to be able to share why you believe in what you believe and be able to share your faith with people and explain Jesus to people. And and maybe you're young in your faith and you still don't quite have that down. Okay, but at a minimum, you can still be a witness. Not necessarily know how to witness, but be a witness, be a testimony, be the kind of person somebody goes, wow, I want to be like you. Which is different than, I want to get away from you. <laughs> All right? Some people, I know some people, you know, they're, they're great witnesses with their mouths, but they're really obnoxious. You ever meet anybody like this? Just, just, constantly just, you know, and you think, Ugh, I don't want to be like, around this guy, you know. Now, it's okay to be like that if you're still being a witness. A lot of people, they just like to just condemn people and judge people and criticize people and just... That's, that's not being a witness. So anyway, this guy says, man, what do I got to do to get in on this deal? And they, they replied, well, what you have to do is you have to go to classes for a couple of months and, uh, and then get ordained and then we'll do this and, and sprinkle you with water. And da, da. What do they say? You just need to believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved in your whole household. 
talk to them about this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Connecting with the Son of God by faith. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. What else were they saying? More than just believe in the Lord Jesus, I guarantee you. I wasn't going to classes for six months, but talking about turning away from your sins. Doing this thing right. Putting God first in your life. All right? Well, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order to release those men. The jailer told Paul, Well, the magistrates have uh, ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you, now you can go in peace. And Paul, I love this, he goes, Wait a stinking minute. They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. And of course, that freaks them out. Because they didn't know they were a Roman citizen. You can't arrest a Roman citizen and beat him without due process. And they threw us in a prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No! See, this is the guy who wrote Galatians. <laughs> Seriously. Honestly, you know, you get, you get these pictures of these morphine-induced pastors who think everything about Christianity is peace and tranquility. Never raise your voice and never be controversial or never confront people at any time. Where do we find these guys? Goodness gracious, it's like... You know, some seminaries, it'd be hard to tell a seminary from an opium den, I think. <laughs> because they're all, they're all drugged out, these guys. Is it? Get a backbone. It's okay to stand up for what you believe in. And in this case, he had just not gotten due process. It beat the snot out of him. Threw him in jail the next morning. He go, okay, praise God. God's answered our prayers. Now, come on, Timothy. Come on. Come on, son. Come on. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Let's go. Come on. Let's just... He didn't do that. He says, wait a second minute. You wronged us. You want us to go away quietly? Forget about it. Let him come down here and escort us out. <laughs> I like this man. Well, the officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas, sorry, not Timothy, Silas, were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. I bet they were. Then they came to appease them. Please, please, we're sorry, we're sorry. And they escorted them out. Just like Paul had demanded from prison. And then requested them, please go away. (laughs) Please just go, you're ticking people off. You're casting out money-making demons. Please just go away. And after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house. Remember, we started with Lydia here, this girl, the first lady to get saved there. Where they met with all the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. Okay, so that's, that's what we read about um, uh, Philippi. A place, uh, you know, where, you know, this Roman outpost, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And yet God started doing a work among these people and doing some cool things and some miracles. And they had great times and clearly some bad times. But God was always glorified. It says, then they left. What does that imply? That Luke stayed there. 
Okay, because we went from we now back to they. And I can't remember where the uh, in chapter twenty, beginning of chapter twenty. If you just, for the fun of it, you can look where all of a sudden he comes back through um, Philippi uh, in uh, chapter twenty, verse six. But we sailed from Philippi, and now it's back to we again. And you hear the we. It's kind of little, little bit of Bible trivia there. Okay, so that's who these people were. He loved these people. He had gotten along with them great. Um, they just had this wonderful, wonderful relationship going. So we start, we go back to now Philippians first chapter. How are we doing on time? Pretty good. Okay. So he says, now I thank God every time I remember you. Why? He loved these guys. He was so grateful for the work that God had done in a place that was probably a place where you would never expect God to work. You know, like Green Bay, Wisconsin, you know, way up North, far away from the Bible belt. I mean, these guys were out on the on the outer edge, you know. He says, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this. And, and you ought to memorize this. These are, this is one of the verses you ought to memorize. Everyone saw you hit a verse. That, you ought to remember this verse. Uh, is this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Why is that a good verse to memorize? Because it's one of these verses that you can quote to yourself to encourage yourself when you're feeling really discouraged. Have you ever felt completely discouraged? Do you ever feel like if you were God, you'd have gotten rid of you a long time ago? Do you ever feel like that? You know, as a surely God has had it with me. God is upset with me. God has forsaken me. If God had any sense at all, he would just move on because I, I keep making mistakes and I keep stumbling over the same stupid things and I'm, I'm having a difficult, difficult time and I ought to be here and I'm still here and oh man, oh man, oh man. But this is a wonderful scripture to just encourage yourself in the Lord when, when, you, when you're praying to be able to say, Lord, I am confident that he who began a good work in me will complete the work. You have to understand God is not finished with you yet if you will hang in there if you will be faithful God can handle you if he can handle me he can handle you All right, and he's just started this work in you he said well I've been at this for 10 years it's still just the start he is going to complete what he started in you if you'll be faithful if you're staking, if you've been truly born again, God is not going to abandon you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. Never will I do that. Even though when you get the most discouraged. And you know, it's easy sometimes when, uh, when we first come to Jesus, we get that, okay, I've done lots of horrible things in my life, all these horrible sins. You know, God, I didn't know any better or, or I didn't know about the gospel. And then you ask Jesus in your heart and you have no problem Thinking God will forgive those. You know what I'm saying? But it's after knowing Christ. And then you sin. And then you say stupid things. And, and then you were mean. And then you slipped up here. And then it's easy to start thinking. And certainly the devil is there. Not possessing you. But sticking bad thoughts in your heads. Saying, you know, God doesn't care about you. You're a failure. You keep sinning. You know, you don't. You know, you, know, you gave. Yeah. And a lot of us think that God will give us, you know, a second chance. So we come and we cry and we pray. And, and then we mess up again. And, and then we think, well, second chance, he might squeeze in a third. You know, and so we pray for the third chance. And then we mess up again. And at some point, we start hitting the fourth and fifth. And we just think, oh, surely. And we become so discouraged. 
You don't want to pray anymore. You don't want to go to church anymore. You don't want to read your Bible anymore. Because you think, well, I've, I've given, you know, I've, I've had, you know, ten tries at this and I'm still mad. You need to know something. God can handle you. He is not freaking out. God is not done with you. He doesn't freak. He doesn't just give you a second chance. He gives you lots of chances. This is the same God who, when Jesus said, if your brother sins against you 70 times 7. How many times is that? How many? A bunch of times. (laughs) Now, if God can do that, if he's telling us to do that, you think God can't handle this? Your mistakes, your stupidity? Now, he doesn't want you to make mistakes because you can't grow. You're the loser. But God doesn't freak out. You mess up, he doesn't go, oh, myself. (laughs) I didn't know he was going to, did you know he was going to do that? (laughs) God's got a clue. He's a big boy. He can handle you. Even at your worst. Even when you struggle. And one thing you can be sure, you stay faithful, you stay plugged in, God will complete the work he started in you. He is a finisher. He doesn't just start and get discouraged. God does not get discouraged. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad about that? You might get discouraged with you. We all have days like that where we get so frustrated and we just say, oh... I'm such a moron. What is the matter with me? And uh, But he will finish. Just when the devil comes and whispers in your head, God doesn't care about you anymore. You're too much of a failure. Blah, blah, blah. You need to tell him to shut up and just say, I am confident of this. That he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's a great verse. Get this verse in you. He goes on. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains, arrested as he was, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Why? So you will be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, so his prayer is this. I want you to grow more. He says, I love you guys. You know how much I love you. My prayer for you. Here's a guy who needs prayer. He's in trouble. He's the one in jail. He's the one they sent money to to help out, which you'll see a little bit later, what, what they were doing for him. And instead, he's praying for them. Isn't that cool? You know, instead of just being focused on his own self, he's praying for the needs of others, which is a good lesson for us. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own prayers. God, I want this. God, I want this. Help me to help with this. God, please bring this to me. Bring this to me. You know, and, and we all have needs and it's okay. You need to ask God for what you need in your life. But don't become so caught up in you that you get so myopic. Because I preached on Sunday, we so want what we want so badly that we get in the way of God answering our prayers. You know, we desire the gift instead of the giver. It needs to always be about him, not about what you want. And one of the best ways you can stay focused on that is after praying for what you want, pray for other people. Ask God to bless your squirrely pastor. 
Ask God to move in other people's lives. Remember this poor family that's gone through this horrible tragedy tonight. There's so many people around you in need. The, the people that you work with at work, you know, they're really having a hard time. Let them know. You, you're going to pray for them. Ask them. Somebody said, oh, this horrible thing. Horrible. Says, well, do you mind if I pray for you? And start praying for them. And God will start turning stuff around. And watch. Look for God to start turning stuff around. It's cool. When they start saying, man, it's, things are getting better. Say, well, see, I've been praying for you. It's a great opportunity for God to demonstrate his kindness. But look and, and reach out and pray. So here he's praying for them. And praying for them, number one, that their love may abound more and more and more and more and more and more and more. In knowledge, in depth of insight, really understand what love really is. The reason for that is any group of people, and he's going to be talking about that. We'll see this in uh, the Philippian uh, epistle as we keep reading. His prayer for them is that they would be one. And we'll delve into that, you know. It's not about everybody thinking the same. If it's about everybody thinking the same, then we're doomed. Because not everybody thinks the same. I mean, so, you know, some of you don't even agree with what I just said about the whole demon thing, you know. Get a life. We don't agree. So what? Move on. Okay? It's not about everybody. It, Christianity isn't about everybody being one wavelength in your brain in terms of agreeing about every single doctrine. But yet... Even though being different and thinking different, having different perspectives, which is perfectly legit, we can still be one. That's an amazing thing. In fact, I think that's when God gets the biggest glory. Is when a bunch of people who don't think the same, who don't agree about everything, who come from different sociological backgrounds, different economic backgrounds. Some of you are white, some of you are black, some of you are blessed enough to be Puerto Rican, some of you just... (laughs) But that we can all be one. And people look at that, look at those people. They're one. They're one. They move together with one heart and one purpose and they're not the same. Hallelujah. I I am absolutely convinced that's the greatest glory to the kingdom of God. And because there's something powerful that happens out of this oneness, out of this purpose, out of this, uh, uh, I believe it just empowers the Holy Spirit to be able to flow through us in, in a wonderful way. And this is some of the benefits that he just said, so that you will be able to discern what is best. Discern what is best. Now, let me talk to, a little bit about this. Take off some other people here. All right? The Bible over and over again encourages us in the New Testament to ask for wisdom and to discern and for insight. But we live in this culture of, uh, in, and it's not just charismatic, it's virtually all, any form of evangelical Christianity today, where we've got this into our heads that God will tell you what to do. God will tell you what to do. People are having a hard time. So what I do? I don't know. Just pray. God will tell you what to do. And, and I, I know what they're trying to say, but I, I think they're saying it very poorly. Even, even in churches, virtually every evangelical church in America on Sunday morning at the offering will pray, let's bow our heads and ask God so he can speak to you and tell you what to give. I mean, it's one of the most blatantly unscriptural things Christians do all the time. There's no evidence anywhere. Again, show me anywhere in the Bible where God told people what to give. Or where others were encouraged to pray to ask God. to. His, again, that's, that's, that's where I think we get it off because we, we come up with these theories, but there's no example of it. There's no different. I think that's where you get yourself in trouble. I think that's where we all get ourselves in trouble. It's all here. If you don't see it here, it ain't here. 
Are you hearing me? At best, you're on shaky ground. No place. But yet, in Christianity, it's overwhelming. God will tell you what to give. God will tell you what to do. God will... It's... First of all, even... Even in the, in, in, in the Bible... Okay, flip back over. The book of Acts again. You gotta see this. Just look at... Acts 11. Am I right this time? Yes, I'm right this time. Okay. Even... Even in the, in, the, in the New Testament, when God literally spoke to people. Okay, do I believe God can speak to people? Yes, I do. I do. But get a clue, okay? Get a clue. Put it in context. What else is God saying? And what other ways is he saying it? Even to somebody like Peter. Now, what had just happened here is Peter uh, was... Uh, God wanted to use him to speak to people like us who are not Jews to get saved. And he wasn't going to do it. He thought we were creepy calling people. He didn't want to do it. And, and all of a sudden he has this vision. And this, this angel comes, or, or this vision, of, this sheet comes down and shows all these creepy crawly things that the Jews weren't supposed to eat. And God said to him, eat it. And he says, no, I'm not going to eat anything unclean. And he says, don't call stuff unclean that I've called clean. He does that three times. All of a sudden, boom, some guys show up at his door. The Holy Spirit says, go with these guys at your door. He goes with these guys at the door. Wow, there are guys at the door. And he goes with the people. And he goes to this place and he starts talking to all these people who are not Jews. And he's not very nice to them when he's talking to them. It's kind of a funny story when you read it. But uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of his sermon, they all start believing in Jesus. And they get saved. And they start speaking in tongues right there, interrupting his sermon. Pretty cool. All right? Now. When Peter has to defend this back to the church, look what he says here in chapter 11 of, of, uh, of, uh, of Acts. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. By and large, they were not thrilled about this. They didn't like non-Jews becoming believers. They had a hard time with it. So Peter went up to Jerusalem. Uh, the circumcised believers criticized him. You can't do that. You can't do that. And you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Ooh! Ooh! You went with people from Green Bay. Ooh! Puerto Rican people. Ooh! You can't do that. And if Peter was like all of us, who would have said, well, well, God spoke to me to do it. The Lord told me to do it. That's the way we would respond today. Well, God just told me. God just told me. He didn't do that. Even though God told him. He goes through explicit detail. And he began explaining everything that had happened. Precisely as it happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance I saw a vision. Something let down like a large seat. And all these by the four corners. And it came down to where I was. And I looked in and I saw these creepy crawly things on the earth. Wild beasts, reptiles, birds of the air. I heard a verse telling me. Get up Peter. Kill and eat. I said surely not Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. I'm very holy. And the spirit spoke the second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And then it was pulled up to heaven. Right then three men who had been sent from Caesarea stopped at the house he goes through and he relives this thing in detail in detail this happened and then that happened and God spoke and then this confirmation happened and da 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 and then, and then they all listened to it and went okay okay I guess it's okay that's what happened for a couple of chapters then in chapter 15 they didn't believe it again and they all got together and they had this big fight read it we don't have time to read it tonight 
But they had this big fight. And they had this big council in Jerusalem. And Paul came down and he talked about it in Galatians. Remember when he was talking about how angry he was? They had to go to Jerusalem and fight with these nitwits. He came down, these were the nitwits. And they were fighting about this stuff. And he had to go through the whole thing all over again. You know, it's interesting. Even these guys who literally heard the word of God speaking to them in miraculous fashion, even they never just leaned back and said, well, the Lord told me. Well, the Lord told me, but then this happened. And then this confirmation. When, when, when I challenge people about something they're doing or something they think should happen, and all they say to me is, well, the Lord told me. I don't listen to that. I don't hear them. You might as well be going, <laughs> Because I don't hear a word you say. You say, do you not believe? in? Yeah, I do. But the Bible says, let the prophets speak and let the others judge. We need to weigh. See, they like the prophets. They don't like anybody weighing. Okay, you think God told you. Well, what else happened? What do you mean? Well, what other scriptures back up what you're doing? Well, I, I don't know that there are any. Well, then I think maybe you're a nitwit. Well, God told me. Well, get a clue. You're not Moses, first of all. All right. If you believe God spoke to you in something, there should be other confirming ways. This is over and over again in the Bible. There were other confirmations. There were things that had meat to it. There were the kind of things these guys could argue and debate over. They didn't just say, well, the Lord told me, shut up. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. Christianity, Lord told me, is the Christian way of saying shut up. It is. Well, the Lord told me. Well, the Lord told me. Well, how do you debate that? Most people, most of you, sometimes the Lord told you, you just buy it, hook, line, and sinker. Well, the Lord told him. Don't fall for that. All they're saying is, It's not making any sense to me. It's got to have more than that. Show what God, I believe God spoke to me and then I saw this scripture that said this and this and, and I was praying and all of a sudden God confirmed this and this guy came up to me and said da 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 da. This is how you start doing things. It's got meat to it. This isn't making any sense to anybody. And Paul says, this, do this so you can have discernment. We don't want discernment. We want divine revelation. No, no, no. Just get discernment so you can check stuff out. Does God speak to you? Yes. But even in those contexts, he'll encourage you and stuff, but there'll be other things in your life. People say, well, how how do you know God brought you to Green Bay? Well, I think he did. I think he did when he he come back to, to pastor here. I told my wife, you know, one night, I says, you know, I just, I had a feeling in my heart, I need to call Pastor Arnie. I just need to talk to him. And, and she just looked at me like I was an idiot. And because uh, she didn't want to, she hates moving. This woman hates moving. If I move her again, she's going to kill me. It would be the end of me. I hope you don't get rid of me someday because I'm dead, man. I'm telling you. She hates it. She hated moving in the first place and hated moving back. She just hates moving in any way, shape, or form. So she looks at me and, and I, I just, okay. so the next day, I'm, I'm not going to call Arnie because I got my chicken. Right? And then all of a sudden, my wife comes up, hands me the phone. It's Pastor Arnie. <laughs> well, he never calls me, you know. So I call him and we get together and one thing leads to another and all of a sudden, boom, 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 and all this came together. I'm not going to go a whole cool story. I'm not going to share it with you. But that's, it's, I don't just walk in and say, I'm going to be the pastor of this church. The Lord told me. <laughs> Thank you.
God put something on my heart. I believe God spoke to me, but then there's confirmation and this opens up and that door opens up and that door opens up and that door opens up. I told you about Sunday how I'm praying about this laugh your way thing, doing these things. And people are like, oh, you got all this ambition. You want to go talk to couples? I don't want to go talk to couples. It's just, I believe God's called me to do it. He puts it in my heart and I finally say, oh, forget it. I'm not going to do it anymore. All of a sudden these things start packing out. I never told you the rest of the story. How many of you were here Sunday? And now the rest of the story. <laughs> so all of a sudden these seminars are packing out. I think, well, I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I should keep doing this. I don't know. And, and like a month later, I get a call from this guy. And uh, he's a businessman. He doesn't even live here. And, and he calls up and says, uh, um, I, I hear you're changing couples' lives. And uh, I said, yeah. He said, well, I, I, I want to help you. Change couples' lives. I said, Okay. And so he hops in his private jet and flies in. I like guys with private jets. And uh, <laughs> they bless my soul. And uh, he said, well, I, I, I want to change. I hear you're changing. Now, here's a man who's never heard me preach. Never been to a seminar of mine. And says, I will back you for a million dollars to get started in doing this couple's ministry. And I said, I said, let me pray about it. I mean, one thing, I, I don't have time to tell you the story. But boom, all of a sudden, people are responding. Some guy says, I'll even fund the money to, to do this. And other doors kept opening and stuff like that. And I go, I, I, I think God's called me to do this. Not just because I thought I heard a voice. Are you hearing me? It's okay when God speaks. If you believe God speaks to you and then he speaks to you and encourages, great, receive that. But you can't just say, that's all I need. And you certainly shouldn't just take some guy who says God told him and then you just roll over for him. Let the prophet speak, the Bible says. Let the others judge. Are you judging? Are you looking at it? Well, okay, you think God's called? Well, where's the evidence? What other doors has he opened? What other opportunities? Is God's hand on you? Are things opening here, there, and the other? Then you start getting a clue. I think God is in this because he's opening the doors. This is happening. That's happening. This is happening. Okay? I'll pick up more on this when we get together again. Now, next Wednesday, no Bible study, okay? Um, We're doing our children's Christmas program, right? Okay, my wife is in charge of that, and I fear. So, she's going to do, and it's a fabulous, she does a fabulous job with that. If you'd like to come and just share in that, but it's a great opportunity, um, to, uh, sorry to bump you on your on your Bible study night, but you'll be okay for a night. And uh, the kids are going to do their thing and, and share, and it's going to be so much fun. So this place is going to be filled with moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. And any of you want to come uh, and celebrate any of that, that's cool. Or if you want to go shopping and, and buy your pastor all kinds of stuff, that's okay too. Uh, do, do, do whatever you want to do. All right, have the ushers come at this time, and, uh, and we're going to celebrate with our giving.